Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Todd Atkins. And today I'm here with Chandler Benoit. Hey, hey. And uh, one of my absolute favorite guests because he always... Um, I think you're like one of my favorite preachers ever, which is saying a lot because I grew up constantly listening to the radio. Uh, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. My dad always had the radio on. You were one of those familiar voices. Uh, Warren Wearsby, you're in great company with guys that are practical, immediately applicable, and just always say something in a certain way. Now, you are definitely different than Wearsby, of course. However, I loved how... Uh, how you always just have a way with words. Like you were made for Twitter before Twitter. <laughs> this, uh, this is, uh, the person is, uh, that, that we're talking to today is Dr. Tony Evans. He's the founder and president of urban alternative. Um, which, you know, if, if there's ever a time for you guys to check that out, it's, it's right now. It's a national ministry dedicated restoring hope in personal lives and families and in churches and communities. Um, I got to know it several years ago when uh, when we worked with him with Ministry Grid, um, but he's also serves as a pastor, senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship, uh, author, speaker, you, you know all that. Um, <laughs> I want to encourage you, if you liked, if you're one of the hundreds of thousands of people at this point probably that uh, have gotten a Tony Evans study Bible, I would also encourage you to look at his commentary. Without further ado, uh, Mr. Tony Evans, thank you for being with us today. Honored. Thank you for having me. You know, something we talked about before um, we went on the air is the the three-point plan that you guys have for churches. And I just wondered, I mean, you know, people would know you from, um, from your writing. They would know you from your speaking. Uh, they may not know this. And so we would love to expose our leaders to what you're, what you're doing with that. Well, it's called a community, uh, uh, excuse me, a kingdom strategy for community transformation, a kingdom strategy for community transformation. This, these multiple pandemics that we're facing, medical, uh, racial, community and police, economic, political, uh, judicial, all these pandemics are really a divine disruption. And uh, whenever God does a divine disruption, it's because he's after a divine reset. So either crisis can come back, so that's the biggest reset of all, or he's calling the church to another level of engagement in society because God doesn't skip the church house to fix the White House. So throughout ministry, the Urban Alternative, we've launched a three-point plan for the church to lead the way to bring healing to the culture. Uh, and that can be found on TonyEvans.org. And that plan, first of all, is a symbol, but the Bible-believing churches in your community come together across racial, cultural, and denominational lines and hold a solemn assembly. So the solemn assembly is the sacred gathering where God's people came together to re-invite God into their midst because they have been separated from God too long. We've been having church. We've not been having God. Secondly, is to address. So assemble, then you address. You address the issues in your community from a centralized biblical framework, a kingdom framework. All these issues have biblical answers to them. And uh, and uh, whether it's the divide with the with the pol politics, we got church, we got politics dividing the church. And that that should not be. 
And so we don't have a kingdom framework, but we can address those issues as the single voice of God. Then thirdly is act. So you assemble, you address, and you act, meaning you work together to fulfill Jeremiah 29, 7, which means that you let the world see the good works that the church brings to its community. You adopt every school and provide mentoring for average students. So you adopt the local precinct, pre, uh, police precinct. So you demonstrate what it is to, for the church to lead the way to bring healing between police and community. Or you, uh, each church adopts a homeless family and you bring them to, you, you address homelessness. The things that you can do together that doesn't in, uh, infringe on your individual church's mission so that they see the collective church. And God says in uh, John uh, chapter 17, verse 24, if I can get you perfected in unity, then I, my glory will show up in your midst. What we're missing is the glory of God being manifested through the unity of the church, which is led to the dissension of the culture and the devolution of the society. And we're praying for God to change the White House when he can't even get in our house. Hmm. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> maybe, maybe the shortest podcast we've ever done could be wrapped up right there. <laughs> I just asked him one question, man. I asked him about that. Can you explain the three points? That, 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 that was good. All right. Uh, I, I, I gotta know this, uh, you know, obviously, um, you have been in ministry for, for a long time. And every time I hear you, I know you're not just, um, singing songs from your old songbook that you're constantly, you know, you, you are constantly taking in, you are constantly learning. So one of my questions is, um, who are you presently learning from? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a common avid reader. And so because I'm an avid reader, um, I have I'm always have a slew of books that I'm just reading from from my own personal life or in the series I'm dealing with. Right. So right now, like I'm dealing with kingdom voting as my series that I'm teaching on now. How do you vote from a kingdom perspective? Because we, we vote from a cultural perspective, not a kingdom perspective. And so as a result, we've allowed ourselves to be divided. So in that case, I will read books related to the kingdom. And uh, so that will that will vary from author to author. I love the I love a book, uh, Final Destiny, uh, written by a friend of mine, Jody Dillo, which is a comprehensive soteriology, but it deals with it from a cultural engagement standpoint. So I'm reading that. I will listen to podcasts. Uh, uh, look at the YouTube and see what some other people pro and against are saying and evaluating according to scripture. So I've got a bunch of things going at one time to just influence my thinking, challenge my thinking, uh, correct my thinking. But then uh, my main reading is the Bible because that's where I get, that's where I get and where we all should get our dominant thinking. Hmm. One of the questions I would have is who, uh, so when you are reading someone who has an alternate view from you, how are you, um, how are you learning through that? How are you sifting through that and learning through that? Well, when I'm reading somebody who has an alternate view, then it forces me to go deeper in scripture to see like the Bereans, whether these things be so, whether there's a flaw in the view that I've held or whether I'm really going to get strong in my view because I'm having to dig deeper to evaluate their view. So it forces me deeper in the scripture, comparing scripture with scripture, because that's one of the things I look for. Not what did you say about a verse or a passage, but what support from the Bible did you get for that passage? 
Um, the Bible was not written as a systematic theology. It was written as a biblical theology, which means you can't go to one place and find all the information on one subject. you got to look at it, how it's spread out throughout the Bible through progressive revelation. So a biblical theology means that, you know, you look at the author, the audience, the time he wrote, and what he was saying to that group. And when you understand the biblical theology, which leads you to the systematic theology, it will affect your interpretation. So I want to see not only what they conclude, but what is the biblical theological justification for their specific conclusion in a specific location. And when I go deeper that way, it brings a lot of clarity for me. Well, earlier, you know, as you were talking about impacting your community, you brought up so many of the different uh, topics that we as a country, as a nation, as a church are wrestling with right now. And trying to sift through all that and try to lead through all that has, has been difficult for many different leaders. And I'm sure the same could be said for you as well. But for you and your leadership team, what has been the main point of emphasis uh, during this time? Okay. Our worldview is called the Kingdom Agenda, which is uh, the visible manifestation of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of life. And we we, we, we are focusing on two things, kingdom okay. discipleship and kingdom impact. We want to develop, not church members, we want to develop disciples, kingdom disciples, and we want to have a kingdom, not a cultural impact. Because if we have a kingdom impact, it will affect the culture. So everything comes from the kingdom agenda through those two threads, discipleship, impact. So for, for you all in your all's church, you know, for pastors and leaders listening to this, they, they would say, man, I, I love that, that focus right there. How do you, how do you guys play that out uh, within, you know, your teams uh, in the midst of, of course, COVID-19, you, you know, churches are trying to wrestle with, you know, are we meeting in person? Are we not? How are we still discipling? How are we still making an impact on our community? Were there some shifts that you guys had to make? You know, you had this, I'm sure you had a plan like everybody did, you know, Vision 2020, everybody didn't even realize what that would actually mean. What was some of the impact that the pandemic has had on your all's plans and some of the shifts that you all have had to make? Well, that's a great question. First of all, obviously, like many churches, we've gone online. We still haven't come back yet because we keep getting these spikes in yeah. Dallas where we're located. So we've kind of gone slow to come back. So online. So what we've done is we have a team that we uh, we, we call every member once a month just to check wow. on them, see if they have any prayer, prayer requests. That's thousands of people get a phone call. Then certain ministries still continue. We still have feeding programs. We still minister to our elderly. We still uh, we have uh, virtual counseling. We also have small groups where uh, they they meet on Wednesday night or some other time during the week via Zoom. So I'm I'm a Zoomologist right now because I <laughs> everything by Zoom. My my committee meetings, my council meetings, my you know all the meetings about Zoom. We're planning for when we go back, hopefully no later than the beginning of the year. Uh, with a major f uh, focus on the next generation. So we, we're pulling the next generation together and making sure that they're reaching out to reach down. We got the, uh, 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 you know, the millennials reaching down to the youth. 
so that we're bringing them up and discipling them. And we've got a group that's ministering to the next generation. So everybody is supposed to be connected to somebody and not just come to church. If you're in a ministry, we have a leader in that ministry, one to 12, who keeps up with you. So everybody is supposed to be connected to somebody who is ministering to them, encouraging them, praying with them and for them as they serve. So that's in theory what we do. Now, obviously, there's been some disruption during COVID, but so we've been focusing on how we keep that alive and going as we work toward coming back. Hmm. We've also given everybody an act of kindness card so that wherever you move about, if there's an opportunity for you to show kindness to somebody who's in trouble, a homeless person, a struggling person, an elderly person, you do a good work, hand them a card and let them know that uh, that you're a member of OCBF and we're here to serve them in any other way we can. Uh, normally, the next question uh, I'm always asking is, what are two or three things that you absolutely must do daily to benefit you, know, you for your life and leadership? And I usually make people, usually give the caveat, you, you can't say you know the spiritual disciplines. You have to because that's like a Sunday school answer. I'm not going to ask that of you because um, I want to know, Dr. Evans, when you, how, okay, so, you know, a a person that has been in ministry as long as you have and um, has been teaching as long as you have, how do you approach the Bible in a manner that, feeds your soul personally? Well, two ways. One is I try to study to grow, not just study to teach, but I will teach what's helping me to grow. So I try to, uh, I try to make sure I'm not only preach, preaching sermons to others, but I'm preaching sermons to me that I have to preach to others. So that's one thing. Then devotional reading. Uh, I read devotional books that are not related to preaching but are just related to, you know, your own spiritual life. And thirdly, reading through books of the Bible. So I've been reading through a lot of the prophets in light of what's happening in the culture and just reading and meditating on the Bible. So uh, growing through the preaching, devotional books, and reading the Bible. Those are the three things. You know, for many, many pastors and preachers, just as Todd was saying, you know, he grew up with you as a familiar voice, uh, for for many pastors, <laughs> just speaking of this time, they had to shift to a brand new way to preach, and that is <laughs> without many of their church in in person with them. Uh, and I, it sounds like you have experienced that as well. Um, what what is you know what are some of the takeaways and maybe some tips? You know, what have you what have you dealt with? But then also, what have you learned about navigating preaching to your congregation in person? to preaching to maybe even a, just a camera in your house. Maybe it's still in, in the church building. But what are some takeaways that you've learned and then maybe some tips that you would share with other pastors and preachers along the way? Yeah, well, I started when this pandemic hit, preaching in my den with the camera. Then we moved to one of our outreach offices where I was standing behind a podium, but in an office. Then now we're doing it from the pulpit. So there's been a progressive growth in preaching, still not to an audience, but kind of getting my stride back. At first, I felt the environment needed to be comforting. People were uncertain. This is new. They were afraid. So it was much more of a grandfatherly kind of presence. But then as I began to 
get more comfortable and feel like the people were with me. It became moving from comforting to to uh, uh, exhorting. And when I when I did a while from exhorting, now we because we're in this political season, I went to challenging. So I think you have to know your flock, you have to know yourself, and you have to merge the two by the Holy Spirit. And that's what the Holy Spirit's job is to give us uh, divine insight and divine wisdom for the season we're in. So I would encourage every pastor to, um, and maybe you can talk to some of your congregants or some of your leaders and ask them what is needed because you want to you scratch where they're itching. And, uh, and right now they're, they're itching in uncertainty. And people need to know, you know, Paul told Timothy and Titus to speak with authority. No matter what your style is, it must come clear that you're speaking on God's behalf and you're not waffling like everybody else is. This is not, this is not a time for, for spiritual wimps. This is a time for, for spiritual giants, people who will, who will take on the task that is before us. This is not a time to, to skip the issues. This is a time to bring God's voice lovingly, caringly, compassionately, but clearly to the issues we face. And so if, if, if this, is the, this is the opportunity of the lifetime for a pulpit. And for a church, if we will grab it, hold on to it and take advantage of it. Hmm. You know, you mentioned kind of having a pulse on your on your congregation and knowing your flock. And it sounds like one of the ways you guys are doing this, which is is outstanding, is that you are calling your, you know, members of your church. And you said each month, is that correct? Uh, yes, yes. We try to make sure we touch base personally with a care call, we call them uh, gotcha. each month. So, you know, with that, you're, you're even saying, hey, I want to I want to have a pulse on the flock and knowing kind of where we need to where we need to speak with authority. You know, a lot of pastors probably during this time are feeling, man, my people are scattered. I don't have that same type of relationship as I once had. Have you found those calls to be helpful and maybe kind of gathering information from those or what are some practical ways that you've kind of kept a pulse on your people? Well, we get feedback from our leaders and we uh Ask what are you hearing? What kind of prayer requests are you getting? So we get a sense from there, and then uh, people can write in and send questions in, and from those questions we get a pulse too. Of course, right now the election is on everybody's heart and mind and focus yeah. and uh, the visions that are surrounding that. So we get the calls from not only our congregation but from around the country. So, so yeah, we uh, we we get feedback that way, and that that is helpful as we address issues. Well, we've talked a lot about what what kind of leadership in the church looks like. Let's let's head to the home now. So, for you, what does leadership look like in your home during these times? Well, you know, we've come through a, a difficult season in my home. I, you know, I lost my my wife, I lost my father, I lost my sister, I lost my brother, I lost my sister's husband, uh, my daughter lost her mother in law, I lost two nieces. All of this in a very short amount of time. So, my home life is greatly changed um, uh, because some of the things we, we did, we don't do like we did them. But uh, 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 for example, um, before the pandemic, we ate a whole family, ate breakfast together every every week. And then uh, once a month, we, eat dinner, we ate dinner together. So we still eat dinner together once a month, but the kids come over uh, to have uh, worship with me online on Sunday morning. So they, they come over to my house for breakfast. We have a prayer time with them. 
And then we have a family time of prayer and eating together once a month. So we've kept that tradition as best we can in this situation and as wisely as we can to stay connected with one another. Some parts of my family member get on a prayer call with other parts of the family member once a week. So we stay connected. And because we are in fairly good proximity to one another, we can still see each other a fair amount of the time. So, Dr. Evans, you know, one of the things that um, as pastors we we have to recognize is it's our legacy is not what we do. It, it's who we develop. And obviously from from your family, uh, I'm thinking of Priscilla specifically. I had her on not too long ago on the podcast and she talked about the importance of that table that you just mentioned and the importance mm-hmm. of, um, of family. And I would just like to ask, you know, how do you see um, how do you see the importance that 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 table has meant uh, in your family and in your your leadership of your family? And, oh, and really, what, can, what can we learn from it? Yeah, you know, Psalm 128 verse three says your children will be olive plants around your table. The table is the single best way to lead, guide, govern, encourage, bless a family. You have to eat. So why don't you use that time, turn off the television, turn off the devices, and use that time to minister around eating, because that's what a Jewish father did. He developed his family. So my wife and I use that time for correction, for blessing, for prayer, for devotions, for instruction, for clarification. So use the table, because it's a natural time. And, and you, you, you gather around that meal. It's informal. It's fellowship. It's laughter, it's joking, it's it's uh, it's clarification. And, and everybody is allowed. Sometimes we let the kids do the devotional. It was funny sometimes. It was crazy other times, but we were together. <laughs> <laughs> and so being together is the most important thing you can do as a family. That's good. Well, you, you mentioned, you know, I kind of want to dive in a little bit deeper on that. You mentioned the devotional. What kind of aspects, you know, was it was it every single time was the same thing? You know, sometimes did, was there always a devotional? Was there worship around the table? What exactly did that look like for somebody who's who's sitting there and, and feeling, man, I want to implement that in my own family. Uh, we, we need to make the table more of a place where we gather together for a meal, but also for you know, family devotionals and worship, you know, what, what, what did that kind of the aspects of it look like? A number of different things. One, Bible memorization. They had to repeat a verse uh, that they had learned in Sunday school, or we would review. What did you go over in Sunday school? We had a flannel board back then, you know, <laughs> technology. So uh, they would teach, they would take turns teaching flannel board lessons. Sometimes they'd just be reading a passage from the Bible or reviewing some principles from the sermon that I preached. So the issue is not so much having a formalized routine, but having a clear a clear purpose. And the clear purpose is we want to be together and we want to make God a part of our table. And so using what you learned on Sunday, or what the kid learned on Sunday, and making that a, a, a leaping point of discussion, the point is you're doing it together. We taught about giving around the table. We taught about, um, you know, family around the table. We taught about the kind of friends you should have around the table. We corrected. We found out what work hadn't been done that the kids were supposed to do. And we corrected that around the table. So <laughs> the table, the table you, you, you can, for an hour and a half a day, you, you can lead your whole family. <laughs> 
Well, that's awesome. Well, you know, going back, if you know, just putting yourself back in 20, 20 year old self, Dr. Tony Evans, <laughs> what, what advice would you tell him about preparing to lead? Well, I would say time is short. You know, with all the losses we've had, I wish I could go back and spend some more time with loved ones that are no longer with me. Um, and so maximize the moment, you know. Uh, don't let don't let the small things kill the big things, you know. And family is a big deal. Leading in family and then leading in your ministry, it's a big deal. But there's so many small things, you know, that get in the way and that hinder that. And so you want to you want to lessen your regrets, you know. You'll everybody will have something that you wish you could have done better because we're imperfect. But you want to shrink them, and uh, so. Make things work, okay? You walk with God, your love for your family, your impact in ministry, and your witness to the community. When you get those four things straight, you're straight for the kingdom of God. That's so good, sir. Well, I just want to uh, thank you once again for spending time with us today. It's always uh, jam-packed with wisdom, and, and we greatly appreciate you. We appreciate your ministry, your continued ministry to us. Um, uh, uh, we produce a lot of Bibles at Lifeway uh, every year, new Bibles every year. But um, I just really want to encourage people. There's a reason why um, that that Bible, if you go to Amazon or you go to Lifeway or you go wherever, there's a reason why it's in prominence uh, when you're looking for a Bible. The algorithms even know um, it, it's it's so good. Uh, thank you, Dr. Evans, for sharing with us today. Uh, thank you for sharing your life and ministry with us as pastors as well. Um, well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, so we appreciate LifeWay. It meant so much to me, my life, my family, and, and my ministry. And again, all these resources and the three-point plan, you can find out at TonyEvans.org. Excellent. Well, thank you guys for listening. Please hop on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review. See ya. Bye.